0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello, welcome to this Cricket Badger India vs. England daily podcast by the fans for the fans. Virat Kohli's India, with Rohit Sharma, Jaspreet Bumrah and Ravi Ashwan, and young starlets like Rishabh Pant and Shubman Gill. They play host to Joe Root's England, with Jimmy Anderson, Ben Stokes, Stuart, Broad and young talents like Ollie Pope and Zach Crawley. It's always England's toughest tour, good luck to both sides, may the best team win.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome along. It is the India Against England daily podcast. I am the cricket badger, James Butler, and joined by Neil Varani today. And I thought, Neil, what we do today is there's been three themes, as far as I'm aware, that have come up over the last 50-plus days of doing these daily podcasts from the Indian series. And I thought we'd just go back and we'd... Uh, revise and, and debate again just to kind of put the full stop to those uh, those discussions start off with the first one which has come up a lot obviously with rest and rotation and bubble life and I listened to Johnny Bairstow on Radio 5 this morning and he was talking about his own existence obviously I mean everybody's got their own perspective on this as, as players some people might even enjoy being in a bubble every now and again Johnny was saying that if you hadn't uh, have taken those 10 days off uh, at the start of the Indian tour then he would have basically been in a bubble for from January through to June, if you include the IPL. Then you go into an English summer. Then England have got trips to Bangladesh, Pakistan, there's the Ashes. And then in New Year, the West Indies. And then obviously the English season starts again. And then by by the time you get to the end of the English season, you're looking at another winter with another world up and all kinds of different things so you can understand when you listen to a player talking about their own perspective on this and their own experiences of being away for so long johnny was saying that yeah these bubbles are quite hard to deal with it's not normal life by any means and they'll we've got to be a little bit more appreciative of, of the needs of a human being on, on this instance haven't we because it's very easy after a team loses to suddenly start to say Well, we'll blame this, we'll blame that, we'll blame the other thing. But at the core of all this, are 11 human beings plus the rest of the squad plus the coaches that are out there.
0: I completely agree with that. I disagree that we're going to put a full stop to this because these (laughs) these things are going to rumble on. And uh, especially when one team or the other has an adverse result, then people are going to forget why we're doing this. It's such a strange situation, one that people haven't been in. Before the only sort of people I can imagine who could actually appreciate the length of time that these players are spending away from home, away from their families. You know, we're going back to the 1930s and uh, before that, when, you know, England or Australia would yeah. be away for months.
2: I mean, you'd be on a boat for two months just getting to Australia, when you, <laughs> in those situations. But the But, um, I mean, I, I was trying to think the other day about what kind of occupation would be this kind of thing. So you get travelling salesmen, you get people who have to spend time overseas. It tends to be in, in chunks that you've already pre-agreed to and you know what you're going to be faced with and, and probably not as long as Johnny Bairstow is being spent away from his own bed. Probably only really the armed services I was thinking that might have to go off on a deployment for, for six months and, and be away from the family. But obviously in that situation, when you sign up to go into the armed services, you know what you're getting into. And when you meet a girlfriend and you start to have a family, then they know what they're getting into too, because they know who you are. Whereas obviously with the cricketers at the moment, they know they're going to be away on tours. It might be two months here, it might be two months there, but then you might get a month in your own bed before you go off again somewhere. And that's achievable, isn't it? that's manageable. But when you're off and away for six months in a, in, one big chunk, and you are effectively just having a relationship on Zoom or FaceTime. That isn't healthy, is it?
0: No, absolutely. People know what they're signing up for when they go into those kind of jobs. I'm an accountant. I had um, friends who did audits around the country, and they'd be away for weeks on end. It's it's,
2: it's a wild life, I understand, accountancy.
0: (laughs) You have no idea what goes on uh, on there stays on tour. It's not the same as um, being off for months on end in a different country. And even then, it's not the same because you can mix with people. You can go out, you can explore, you can um, experience the place that you're in. You're not cooped up in what is basically a very gilded cage. That word experience is exactly right, isn't it? Because, I mean, I've
2: been overseas on, on trips and, and been on cricket tours um, with professionals in professional setups and seen the teams in action. And they get time off. They go down to the local bar at night. They'll go out for a meal. They'll go and see the local sites. There'll be breaks away from the cricket. Whereas at the moment, these guys are in a hotel, which is a, effectively becomes a cricket hotel. They are with their cricket colleagues. They're probably always wearing tracksuits. And they are then going to train and then they're playing matches. There is just no escape from the cricket.
0: no. And there's nothing there. You're in the hotel, you go out, you play cricket, you come back to the hotel, you can maybe socialise within that small group. Um, And the fact that these players aren't ripping each other's heads off after three, four months away together is a testament to the sort of team spirit that uh, people always talk about. But it isn't a good life. Out there, there's nothing you can do. I mean, I understand the England guys have got a big Call of Duty group and um, they're spending their time um, as productively as they can to get their minds away from things. But you can't be thinking about this all the time without any letter. That's where the mental fatigue comes in. And that's where I think that certain pundits uh and certain people in the media who pay lip service to mental health but as soon as something goes wrong are quick to criticize don't really understand folks um spent months away without playing but it didn't change the fact that he's spending months away in a hotel away from his family um away from his friends in basically one spot where he can't do anything
1: sent the badger a message and now i'm on the podcast with this jingle if you would like to get in touch with the cricket badger podcast then tweet at cricket underscore badger
2: i mean everybody's got to different degrees and in different numbers parents kids wives girlfriends mates that they just want to kind of be a bit closer to at times and want to give a hug to and everything. And uh, yeah, life's changed for everybody in the last 12 months. I mean, I'm living in a one bedroom flat. I live on my own and I've not really been out very much. I've not been in the room with another human being for 12 months, over 12 months now, which is bizarre. I've actually got my vaccination tomorrow and I'm going to a room where I'm going to be in the room with different people. And that actually fills me with a little bit of dread because I've not actually done that for a long time. All of my conversations have been like this over Zoom and, and, and different things. D- that doesn't get away from the fact. Yeah, you know, just because everybody is suffering in their own kind of way over this last 12 months doesn't mean that we should just flog these guys to death. They are human beings and we need to look after them. And ultimately, it's an entertainment industry. And if we want these guys, I mean Johnny Besto said that you know if, if you spend if you, if you push it too far, you got the potential mental health problems and stuff. But if you if you even if you kind of just park that for a second and you are a bit fatigued or a little bit fed up, or something is just kind of whirring around in your mind, you haven't seen somebody for so long long and you drop a cap, it's slip and it breaks your finger you're out for three months yeah little niggly injuries can occur because people aren't actually on it and we've got to look after these fellas because we want them to be at 100 percent. we want them to be enjoying it and we want them to be getting the most out of their cricket because ultimately that's what we see on our screens that's what we see from the cheap seats in the grounds and that's what entertains us
0: people need to remember that as you say it's an entertainment business this isn't necessary. uh, These guys aren't key workers. They have been successful enough to say, actually, five months away, in this kind of environment isn't right for me I can afford to take that time off when things are, are better then we'll take a look at things again
2: The trouble with that though Neil is that if say I mean to pick somebody at random out of that squad let's think Jason Roy I mean he's, he's a bad example because he only plays the white ball but if he suddenly turned around and said to the England team management look guys I'm really suffering with this I've been in hotel bubbles I've been playing franchise cricket I've been doing whatever and I am really struggling I've not seen my girlfriend for ages my wife I don't know Jason Roy's personal situation whatever every personal situation is i've not seen them for ages i've got two kids i've not seen them for ages all i'm doing is facetiming they keep saying daddy daddy where are you and i'm basically thousands of miles away if he said that I said look i need a break from this i'm gonna have to go home they'd obviously have to agree to it and they'd send him home but you know what the reaction would be from the public there'd be some people like us who would be saying really sympathize with that fella they've got to look after him there'd be other people saying well that's a dereliction of duty what the earth are you playing at
0: true and i fully believe the public would be saying that i also think the word duty gets thrown around a lot unnecessarily these guys aren't you know fighting a war abroad this isn't the blitz if someone isn't able to perform because of what it's doing to their mental health then that's surely what has come first actually looking at three other guys in the england squad who've Well, come to various uh, degrees of criticism from the media and the public, look at Moeen, Johnny Bairstow, Mark Wood, all of them have got white ball only central contracts. If they weren't allowed to rest for part of the test series against Sri Lanka and India, I think they'd be quite fair to say, actually, you're asking me to go away for three months, of which only the white ball month. I'm actually going to get paid properly for. You're paying me daily allowances for January, February. Actually, I'm going to leave that. You don't think that I'm good enough or integral enough to get a Red Bull contract and to be paid to come out for the Red Bull part and, of the tour
2: the difficulty is Neil it's an unfair situation because these guys are proud sportsmen they want to achieve they want to play all three formats listening to Johnny talking this morning he was saying I want to play test cricket I want to play T20s I want to play ODIs I want to play as much as cricket as possible but ultimately I do need a, an escape valve at some stage because I can't just play every single day of the year and it's, you know you can't expect me to I mean I'm putting words into his mouth here but you can't expect me to be at my peak best by doing that but then equally because they want to play and they want to be in the teams, they're kind of thinking, well, I don't want to upset people. I need to go on that trip because I might get a chance on that trip and I could stake my claim. So there's that carrot all the time, isn't there, dangling in front of these sportsmen. I think England have done exactly the right thing because from what I gather, I mean, they've, I think they've done it certainly with the all-format players. They've sat them down at various stages and said, you know, A, hey, how are you? B, let's have a look at your, your schedule. We need to build in a bit of a gap in this at some stage because you, you know, just generally as, a, as an employer dealing with you i have a duty of care to look after you basically that duty of care is being shoved to one side if they're if they're flogging them to death 365 days of the year aren't they
0: absolutely and i think there's also i'm going to put on my accountant uh hats on for a second so i hope i don't bore people there is a difference getting, of,
2: this is this is the timelessness again
0: make a cup of tea <laughs> <laughs> there's a difference of perception about the ecb being these guys employers they're not they contracts these players to play either white ball or red ball or both, and pay them handsomely to put that um, above all else. Uh, Johnny, in particular, was put in a situation where he gave up a contract from another player. I think it was one of the Sydney Big Bash teams. It was um, with the Melbourne Star- Stars, wasn't he? Yeah, the Melbourne Stars. He gave up what I would expect to be the. High five figures, or possibly six figures, to go and spend two months with a break uh, with the England Red Bull team, who don't uh, pay him to be there. There's got to be um, a correct view of what actual responsibilities the players have to England in the different formats. Because as far as the Red Bull goes, Mo and Johnny have been ditched by Ed Smith, so it makes it highly unfair for him to then request that they give up other paying work to come back and spend time with the England Red Bull team um, at the expense of anything else.
2: And, and the thing is, Neil, as well, we, we throw into the equation the IPL. I mean, there's a difference with... I mean, this is a totally strange year anyway, but there's a difference this year because the T20 World Cup is going to be in India. So you'd think it actually suits the ECB to have players playing in the IPL. I think there's 11-14 English players playing in the IPL this season. But that's, that's an uncommon situation because usually the England work around that window they, they've had to shoehorn in loads of series purely to try and get some cash in and to try and appease to, I mean they've added extra games in the West Indies quite rightly to say thank you to them for, for coming over at the start of that last summer but they're actually so busy but these players you know as you say money is important effectively you know from, from the outside looking in it's an in- entertainment business and these guys are incredibly lucky to be playing a sport and each of them would say they are incredibly lucky to be good enough to play this sport and they've worked very hard to get to that stage as well that's you you've got to remember that too but equally it's a job for them if we nail it right down to the barest level they're holding a stick and hitting a ball aren't they they're playing a sport it's a very it's, it's not life or death this thing but we want them to play it because it's entertainment ultimately it's their work and they've got a short shelf life Johnny Bursto, heaven forbid tomorrow could tear a hamstring and that could be the end of his career and you don't know when it can finish it could finish tomorrow so these players have to make as much money as they can don't they
0: well, we've just seen it um, recently, haven't we, with Sam Billings. Uh, yeah. finally got a chance to play for England, and um, I'm not sure how much his contract at, um, at Delhi is worth. But that's definitely in in jeopardy. I know the IPL teams are being a bit more long term in their their views. Um, you know, Sam may still be part of the of the squad, and it won't affect him going forward. We saw that with Chris Wokes, um, who I think is uh, is back in the IPL this year, having pulled out for personal reasons yeah. last year. But yeah, it can it can change in in the blink of an eye. I think this subject is going to rear its horrible and ugly head come June. If England players who had made a prior commitment before the ECB decided they needed to recoup some of the losses from last year and put on the New Zealand tests very late in the day uh, after players had made their prior commitments. If New Zealand, who are... Are they now down to number two? I mean, they're an excellent... Uh, Only just, I
2: think. They've just just been shaded out by India, haven't they? By a, a decimal point or something, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, New Zealand could come and win both tests without it being a complete shock. To, to people at that point if there are any players still out in the IPL for um, the final stages um, this is going to come up why aren't they prioritising England duty and they've you, made a prior commitment
2: yeah and you look at Joffre and Joffre has basically decided to come home get sorted out and get his elbow sorted out he's going to miss at least half of the IPL from what we understand because he wants to get fit so he can play for England in the summer but that will be forgotten because if he gets fit and he's then rejoins Rajasthan Royals for the second half of the IPL they get through to the, the playoffs or, or you know even to the final he will then not be playing for England against New Zealand and it will be Joffre Archer cares more about the IPL than England and that is not the case is it because he's shown in these actions over the last few weeks he wants to play for England he wants to play test matches he wants to play the white buster for England the IPL is part of a part of a calendar where players can go and get richly rewarded for playing a few weeks of cricket it's unfair I think on anybody to turn around like you say in June and say Joffre Joss Ben whoever it's a dereliction of duty because they they've got to look after themselves in this as well but Joffre has shown his intent he wants to play cricket for England
0: Joffre is another one who gave up a big bash contract this year because he said sorry with all my other commitments I don't have that many bubbles in me at the moment. Yeah. Um, so for anyone who's going to question his loyalty, which I think is also a rather misused term, is absolutely ridiculous.
2: The other thing, Neil, is that anybody out there of, of a cricket playing age who is going to question anybody's anybody's loyalty in terms of choosing the IPL over this fairly meaningless series against New Zealand at the start of the English summer, which has just been put in there to make a bit of cash, then you are kidding yourself. Because if you were a professional cricketer and you were offered £700,000 to go and play in the IPL for six weeks, look me in the eye and tell me you would not take that. Of course you would. I would, you
0: would, and Rito, who's going to join us in the second, would. You, you
2: you would take it cuz it's your
0: work and there's going to be a um, an interesting contrast i think the same people this summer who are having a go at whichever england players are still available there are so many out there that i assume someone will still be playing in the in the group stage the new zealand players who are out there for the ipl you know there are several kane particularly, you know, obviously I'll be hoping that Sunrisers make it into the last stages and we could have uh, Johnny Bairstow and Kane Williamson out there. No one's going to say anything. There is an understanding with uh, New Zealand that these guys have earned that time to play in the IPL for themselves and uh, an appreciation that it makes them better players in the white ball format, which was heralded after... Uh, in the run-up and after England's World Cup victory. but gets very quickly forgotten when it doesn't yeah. fit the narrative that someone wants to put out.
2: It's amazing how these things that are pro-bubble suddenly become anti-bubble as soon as it doesn't fit your agenda. And I think people out there, I think both Neil and myself, we, we say we, act, we can't put a full stop to this, but I think in terms of our podcast, we can put a full stop to this because everybody that's been on this podcast has said we need to look after the human beings that are in these teams. And if you forget that you know if your team loses by 300 runs in a test match because they put in a poor performance it doesn't matter ultimately does it it does not matter but we need to look after human beings because human beings matter and i think that's where we leave it in terms of our debate on these uh, india against england daily podcast it's that badger style Thank you very much indeed to Black Rat Cricket for their support of these podcasts. And they've joined forces with the Badger. It's the Rat and the Badger, giving you a fantastic opportunity to win a classic bat. That bat could be yours. It's between 2.09 to 2.11 pounds. Butterfly, willow, handmade, UK made, and it'll come to your door, knocked in and ready to go for the season ahead. If you want to win that cricket bat and score some runs with Black Rat Cricket this summer, We need you to do three things. You need to be following the at cricket underscore Badger Twitter feed. You need to be following at Black Rat Cricket on Twitter too. And then you need to email the answer of this question to james at cricketbadgerpod.com. Which player scored a double century in the first test match of the current India versus England series? Which player scored a double century for England in the current India versus England test match series. Send that answer and your name and address to james at cricketbadgerpod.com. Don't forget, you need to be following at cricket underscore badger and at black rat Cricket on Twitter. Good luck, everybody. That bat could be yours. The draw will be made after the final one-day game in this current India versus England series. Elvis Presley once said We're caught in a trap We can't get out But we might be able to soon Hopefully COVID-19 will be behind us And we can get back on the cricket pitch this summer And you need to make it count BlackRatCricket.com They have an original range A rodent range A little rat range Bats made by cricketers For cricketers Make 2021 count BlackRatCricket.com Join the infestation joined by Rito now because we're going to start talking about the umpiring um, which has been a, the second thing that's come up a lot over the test matches and, and throughout we saw Ben Stokes yesterday who I thought was out um, I've been criticised on Twitter for saying "Well, you only ever speak up when it's against England no I don't I've spoken up all the way through whenever I see a dodgy decision I will call it out and Ben Stokes was out yesterday everything I saw from those replays which is the same replays that third umpire saw by the way I don't see how he can say he was in because his bat was on the line and the line belongs to the fielding side so there have been a lot of situations through this series through the three series i think where the third umpire certainly has been called into question and i talked about it on the podcast the other day about we're starting to actually get to a stage now where the two guys that are out there in the middle actually have very little power they count to six they don't even hold the hats anymore because they the players wear them instead because of the covid situation and they make the general decisions but when it actually becomes a contentious decision it goes up to the third umpire so what i was suggesting the other day rito is you might need to have a referee out there just to kind of marshal it and, and and sort it all out increasingly the most important umpiring spot is actually the one that's sat in front of the television making the decisions if they go upstairs to review a decision and one person being up there in that room i don't think is enough anymore we've seen in this series that the third umpire has ha- at times been seemingly a little bit reluctant to make a brave decision brave in inverted commas maybe the right decision against a big player or some reason why it's not been done they've taken the easy option at times because the harder option might be more controversial. And I think, Rita, we need to start putting more than one third umpire into these big series, in, into any series. Whenever it's a, a televised game, stick at least two people in front of that screen so they can discuss it and they can give each other moral support rather than one person being completely isolated in front of that TV with the clock ticking the, and the scoreboard revolving between not out and out and waiting and decision review pending. We need to give these guys a little bit more, more support, maybe a bit more training, we certainly need to give them a bit more support, Rito.
1: Yeah, even yesterday when I saw Ben Stokes' decision run out decision, which was given not out, I thought the umpire made a mistake because if you saw the bat was not over the line, there was a part of the bat which was over the line, but it was in the ear. And those are the kind of things that happens with no balls. If any part of the vote over the line, but not grounded. It's, it's a fair delivery, so I think the umpire got it wrong over there.
2: And, and the reason we go upstairs for these decisions is to try and get the right decision. That's the whole purpose of this. And there have been occasions, I think, in, in this um, tour of India, where we've ultimately got the right decision, but the third umpire might have taken it too quickly or something like that, which has caused a little bit of complaint at times. When it's blatantly wrong, like that was, I mean, I don't, I've not seen anybody that saw that on the TV that actually thinks Ben Stokes wasn't out there. I bet if you actually showed that to Ben Stokes, he would say, "I got lucky." We need to get the decision right rito um i mean somebody said to me on on twitter neil the other day that the i because i said take the umpires off the middle and put them up next to the third umpire so they can all just basically umpire the match from in front of the television they said well why don't you actually keep the umpires out there on the pitch but involve them in the review process you've got the big screen they can see that they're mic'd up and earphoned up so they can converse with the people in the pavilion the third umpire can run them through it and they can say, well, actually, yeah, I've made a mistake there. Or yes, I think that's right. And they can actually, a little bit of a committee meeting almost, so they can get to the right decision. Because surely in, the, in this kind of situation, Neil, the more brains there, and they're all clever cricket people. They've done all of their exams and they've gone through to the right, you know, to get to where they are. They know cricket. Three of them combined can surely come to the right result.
0: I think there needs to be a balance between many hands make light work, but also too many cooks spoil the broth. I really like the idea of there being a proper conversation between a single third umpire and the on-field umpires so that the on-field umpire can say what they were thinking. The um, third umpire can provide footage to enable the on field umpire to review what they've previously said. I think that's is definitely something which would add transparency, which is absolutely vital because um you get ridiculous conspiracy theories. That's been ridiculous
2: throughout this tour. Because there has been a lot of partisanship, probably more than I've ever seen, other than an Ashes series maybe, through this India England series, because whenever it goes against England, the English kind of kick out and say well it's cheating. Yeah, you know, it's been it's been poor, I think from off field as well in terms of the way people have dealt with this on social media I like to think I'm obviously English and ultimately if England win the World Cup I will punch there and celebrate but I want to watch good cricket and I want to see two teams who I admire England and India going at each other on a fair playing field to play the best cricket to entertain me and if Rohit Sharma gets a 100 he's one of my favourite players I will applaud if Jos Butler gets a 100 I will applaud and I see it as a cricket match and two cricket teams. There's nothing wrong, I don't think, in calling out what you think is wrong. And Rito, I I think the third umpiring in, in this tour has been poor, very poor indeed. But I think, I mean, my initial suggestion, as I said, was to take the two umpires actually off the pitch and put them next to the third umpire upstairs. But if the big screen's quality enough and they can actually then make the decisions with the third umpire on the pitch, you're actually still investing that power and that responsibility with the guys
1: out there. And that makes their job even more worthwhile, doesn't it? You briefly touched upon a point that's training. I think these umpires here in India, there is only one elite panel umpire that's Nitin Menon, and he has done quite fantastically well. So that's where the problem lies, really. These umpires are not trained enough to handle this kind of complex uh, situations. The more you umpire in high-profile matches, the more you will come come into such complex situations. You will have to make such tough decisions. That's how they learn. So that's the that has been the problem in this series with only one elite panel umpire. If you look into the English summer, there were three elite penampas empire and they did did a good job. There wasn't such a problem over there.
2: I mean, all, they're human beings as well. They will make mistakes. But if they, if you use the technology to back up the officials rather than to vilify the officials, then I think that's, that's the healthy way of doing it. But the trouble is, Neil, that we put this technology in the hands of human beings mm-hmm. and they still make mistakes from it. They misuse it and they make mistakes. Because that Ben Stokes thing yesterday, he was out, wasn't
0: he? Absolutely. Uh, I haven't seen anything at all that has shown that the grounded part of the bat was uh, was anything other than on the line. Um, but actually, going back to Rito's point, I think this is entirely the thing. There's an expectation gap at the moment with fans and with pundits that the quality of umpiring is going to be exactly the same as it was pre-COVID. However, because we're not allowing um, the elite umpires to travel, you end up with whichever elite umpires are domestic to The home team, and then people who umpire at a domestic level who won't have the experience um, and the training with um, DRS. I think there are a load of countries where domestic level you don't use DRS at all because of the um, the costs uh, incurred. So these guys are basically being asked to do an elite level job without that experience, without um, that training behind them, and they're doing the best that they can, but. In effect, um, they're being asked to do something which is beyond where they are at the moment.
2: It's like me asking you as an accountant to go and join the English high diving team in the next Olympics, isn't it? You do your best, but you wouldn't be very good. That, that's a stretch of an, of an argument, but because it's, it's a totally uh, uh, different field. How but... about, h-
0: how about um, asking a, a young off spinner? Um, with very little game time behind him to suddenly turn into Graham Swan. I mean, the expectation um, that someone who is good at domestic level but doesn't have that experience or possibly the talent to perform at that higher level, we have to... Be a little bit understanding that these uh, people are doing the best they can. So unless the boards and the ICC are prepared to pay the elite umpires to travel, have the bubble life and and so on, then there is going to be naturally a drop off in the quality because Menon has been absolutely superb throughout yeah, the whole and- tour.
2: Rita, you mentioned yeah. Nitin Menon, and I've been really impressed with him. He's, he looks like a really—he looks like he's got his head screwed on the right way. Why is there in India only one umpire of that stature? It's a big country. There's 1.6 billion people living there, and it's a cricket-crazed country. How is it that that country, with such a massive amount of resources, has only got one umpire of that stature?
1: Well, it has to be a culture thing, James. I don't think a lot of people take that job of an umpiring very seriously. That's why there is seriously lack of good quality umpires In the country. And going back to that training thing again, James, I think if an umpire is qualified to be an international umpire, he must be trained by the ICC, not by the home boards. ICC must impart a uniform training to all the international umpires, and that's how they will learn. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I think
2: the way we finish that, this um, discussion on the Cricket Badger podcast—I mean, my discussion about taking umpires off the field and stuff like that—ignore that. That's just me being the Cricket Badger and uh, thinking about things far too much. I quite like actually the idea of uh, the third umpire talking to the on-field umpires and actually having that group chat to the on-field umpires. They're empowered and are able to still. There's nothing wrong with an umpire saying, "Actually, I got that wrong. Come back, Mister Batsman. You're still here because we got that wrong." And making that decision out there on the pitch. And I think the players know the umpires are trying to do. The right thing, and they would respect that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I think the one thing to, to leave it with, though, is all the England fans were saying this is cheating, this is India, just the BCCI is too powerful. They're hiding footage, all of these conspiracy theories that seem to come up during the test matches. It's just utter, utter rubbish. You've got those guys that are up there, the third umpires that have done that job and maybe not done it very well. It's just as simple as that. They've just not done it very well. They haven't been trying to cheat, they want to do that job properly, so they get promoted and are able to do other jobs jobs and get a bit more money it's just not what's happening that they're cheating it's just as neil says the kind of the resources aren't quite there at the moment and we've got people that maybe aren't quite as good as other people doing the job and it's been exposed at some stages
1: you are listening to the cricket badger podcast
2: final point then that's number one was the uh, bubble life number two was the umpiring and we seem to have got to some kind of consensus I think as we've gone through that number three is Virat Kohli and his captaincy I've brought it up quite a few times I think in the test matches actually he did okay but he's obviously got a very good test match side he seems to be a little bit more on top of that test match side I've been watching him like a hawk during these T20 and ODIs I mean it's worth saying before we get into this that he it, when he took the team over yes they were in seventh in the in the test rankings yes he's got them more professional in terms of fitness the entire culture I think of that Indian side has benefited as a result of his impact. His batting is incredible. He's a wonderful human being when I've seen him interviewed off the pitch. And I think he's had a overall a very positive effect on Indian cricket. And he's one of my favourite players. So this isn't me knocking Virat Kohli. I have massive respect for Virat Kohli. But Neil, when I've watched him during this one-day series and I've watched him for RCB, and I know people at Kohli fans balk at that, that, you know, that don't use RCB as an example. But when things have been going well for India, and that's happened quite a lot, obviously, while England have been there, because India have had the better of most things, He's very up and at him. His body language is massively positive. He's really looking as if he's on the money. He's focused. He's urging everybody on. I've seen in the games where England have been on top, and this is mainly in the white ball stuff, he gets really subdued. He looks down. He he doesn't look engaged. His body language is so massively different from when he's winning to when he's losing. You look at Owen Morgan, and I know you've got thoughts on Owen Morgan being an iceberg, and I think that's a little bit unnatural myself as well. There are a lot of examples of other captains to a very even keel. That if they're winning, you can't tell if they're winning. If they're losing, you can't tell if they're losing. Because I think players look to their captains. I think if you are an Indian player... And you look across to Virat Kohli and he's punching the air and saying, come on, boys, you're thinking we're in this game. I think if you look across to Virat Kohli and he's looking down at the ground, picking his fingernails and looking to completely disengage, you're thinking as a player, blimey, the captain's lost faith here, we're going to lose this game and it'll affect everybody. I think the captain is hugely pivotal to a side. And I think, Neil, that Virat Kohli, at the very least, has to work on his body language and work on his own captaincy when things aren't going quite so well.
0: I think there is some of that. I think um, personally the Virat tactically is average and um, I, I just mean that as a flat line not the Australian use of the word. I don't know I mean in the last two games we've had one complete collapse by England and one mini collapse. Now I'm not sure if that would happen as much under MS Dhoni who was the you know archetypal Iceberg. But I don't like that comparison because MSD
2: was almost like Morgan-esque, wasn't he? He was very calm, collected and and almost um, not human as a result of that. Um, I d- I've got nothing wrong. I've, I don't think there's anything wrong with Virat Kohli um, expressing himself and being passionate and looking. Because when I've said this on Twitter, people say, well, don't you want him to be passionate and enthusiastic? Of course I do. But if you're passionate, passionate and enthusiastic when you're winning, you still need to show some of that kind of passion and enthusiasm when you're losing because you're trying to bring your team with you. That's your role as a leader. To not just lead when things are good, but to bring your team up when they're when they're not doing quite so well. Well I think the fact
0: that we've managed to to provoke a couple of collapses, that's not just purely down to down to England. I think part of what Virat does uh does allow the team, you know, once there's an opening, um his passion does come through there, that's when the team really gets gets fired up. And he does seem to be someone who's always talking, always shouting on the field. And I know that that's something that people do um, have a go at him for as well. Uh, I think on that side of things, he's all right. I think tactically though, and it's especially exaggerated due to the shorter forms of the white ball games, um, he c- has a tendency to be behind the game. And tactically. I certainly don't think he's as good as Rowett, who always is uh, the person you know touted to be his uh, his natural replacement. It was quite interesting um,
2: yesterday, wasn't it, that when the when England were doing so well, it seemed to be Rowett that was kind of holding the team talk, and Virat was just kind of one of the one of the team listening at that stage. Rowett was getting increasingly involved on
0: the pitch yesterday when England were in charge. I think he is, in any case, and. For all of, um, I think Coley is made out to be more sort of standalone than he actually is. Just because his profile, you know, is um, the figurehead of Indian cricket, is a good looking, outspoken guy. Everyone always focuses on him. I look back at the Australia tour, all the advertising for that tour was uh, a single guy who was only going to be there for one out of the four tests. Yeah. But I think he does actually take a lot more on board and certainly um, more than previously from the likes of Rohit, from uh, Rahane and the test team, uh, the more experienced guys. I think he is more committee led than he used to be while he'll still take the uh, the final decision. So I think there's part of our perception of what and who Virat is that plays into this. And we've exaggerated both his good and bad points. Which is what
2: people do, isn't it, on social media and in chats and stuff. Rito, how do you see Virat? And have you learnt anything from him over the course of the last couple of months? Do you see what I'm saying about the body language side of things too? That, you know, maybe he's a little bit subdued when, when his team aren't doing well and um, he's massively in your face and the cameras are staring at him when things are going well for him
1: yeah I totally agree with you James if you look at Kuldeep Yadav recently they have they are being hit to all parts by batsmen and when they're being hit his body language just completely falls off and as a bowler that's not something that you want to see from your captain yesterday Rito
2: um I can't remember which bowler it was now, but there was a, a poor ball bowled and Johnny Bairstow or, or or Ben Stokes smashed it for six. And you could see Virat Kohli just sort of like shaking his head and kind of almost like sniggering to himself as if to say, what on earth are you doing, mate? That's not what you want. As you say, that's not what you want to see your captain doing. You want to see your captain backing you, but you don't want your captain to be st- stood at cover shaking his head and almost smirking.
1: Yeah, James, I don't want to compare him with Dhoni, but still, when Dhoni was behind the sticks as a captain or as a, just as a keeper, you look at the performances of Chahal and Yuadav, they just relished him, uh, yeah, relished having him behind the sticks. They, even if they bowled a poor delivery, he would say no, no, no in Hindi, and then he would advise them how to do it. They didn't mind that. But with Kohli, you don't see anything, anything such. He's just body language falls up, and that's very upsetting as a bowler. I mean, the problem with body language, Rito, is that.
2: It's your body language, isn't it? It's you as a person. It's just how Virat is, isn't it? But I hear that that is such a, as a, an excuse for Kohliists or whatever you might call them, that that is just how he is. Just because that is how it is, it doesn't mean that's how you should be, does it? You, do you see what I mean? You can still criticise somebody. I mean, like I say, I've got massive respect for Virat Kohli for every single other thing he does in life. In terms of his on-field captaincy, I don't like that excuse of, well, that's just Virat.
1: Yeah, James, I do understand. But that's what I... You have said we don't want to compare with him, with his Tony, but still, if there was something good in your producer, so you must learn it from him and you must try to copy that and bring the success that, has brought, that he has brought to the team for so many years. Neil, can you
2: change your body language if you're Virat Kohli or or is that just how Virat is?
0: I don't think you can really change what you are too much without it affecting other parts of, of your personality and your game.
2: I have been critical of Virat for two reasons. The body language thing is one of them. The other thing is kind of being in the face of umpires. Yeah, I know he's sticking up for his players and I know he's sticking up for his team, but there is something I was taught as a kid that, you know, umpire's decision is final. And it's like when you're watching a football match and the, you get, see a, a player. Penalized, give away a free kick, be yellow carded, whatever the reason. And he starts to argue with the referee. And you're thinking, this is completely pointless, mate, because the referee, how many times do you see a referee say, actually, Mr. Footballer, yes, you've got a point. I'm going to rescind that yellow card live here on the pitch because you made your case so eloquently. You don't see that. And that there is no point in arguing the, with the umpires on the pitch because they're, you know, whether you like the decision or not, their decision is final. And that's how cricket works. And Virat Kohli being up in, in the face of umpires, I think he's completely of order.
0: Yeah, I don't think he should be uh, aggressive uh, when he's talking to them. But as the captain of the team, of all people, he's allowed to converse with the umpire, and he is allowed to ask what um, absolutely uh, what the reasoning is. And um, even if he disagrees, he's allowed to express that as long as he does it respectfully. Now,
2: and again, I think this is a body language thing with Virat because when you see other captains do it, I mean, Owen Morgan asks the umpire for clarification. And that's what we're talking about, isn't it? Clarification. Why did you do that? Can you explain it to me, Mr. Umpire? Joe Root does it as well. And people's talked about Joe Root pointing at the umpire. Well, he was saying one, he was raising one thing to suggest you would well, have only looked at it once. So he was querying the decision and he was querying and asking for clarification. But when, when Virat does it, because Virat is like he is and it's all blood and thunder and his blood vessels are pumping he kind of leans forward he leans in and he's got that face that looks fairly aggressive and it doesn't look good for cricket does it
0: no no and virat's not the only one steve smith when he was captaining australia was particularly that way and uh a number of other people are it it's not a good look however the umpires are not slow to mark where the line is. They're very experienced, and the elite umpires have been doing this a long time. And they'll uh, they will call people up. And I,
2: I don't. I, I know you're right with that, but I think there are players that get away with more. And I think it is because, well, that's Virat. That's what Virat does. Kyle Jameson caught that catch the other day and he grounded it. And then he reacted negatively as a result of that because he thought he caught it. He's got fined 15% of his match fee because of showing dissent. Virat shows dissent, in my opinion, pretty much every game he plays, but nobody ever touches him. It may be that he's saying, Mr. Umpire, I think you've got a lovely shirt on today, but it's just the way he portrays it, his body language, leaning in and looking aggressive. It, it, to me, he's showing dissent all the time.
0: I think dissent, in terms of, uh, getting demerit points and fines, is fairly strictly regulated in the laws, and generally it tends to be swearing. The aggression with how you um, you're walking at someone um, or uh, even the raising of your voice isn't going to trigger that. And the only other time that I can really remember someone swearing at uh, the umpire was an Australia-New Zealand game. I think it was... Um Josh Hazelwood uh, asking who the F is, the third umpire, when they disagreed and he got fined there. It, it is
2: fairly rare. for Should swearing be the only cause for a demerit point though? Because surely you can show dissent and you can show you know, by arguing and, and being, and, and prolonging an argument and leaning into an umpire. That to me is actually worse than saying, oh, for fuck's sake, what's happened there?
0: Well, I think it, the problem when you're coming to um, punishments is where can you actually draw the line? the. Actual words you use are a very simple way of doing so. Yeah, true. However, it's it's very hard to judge, you know, body language or anything like that. Uh, you know, the tone of uh, voice. You can't. That's going to be different between one person to the next, one umpire to the next, in in how you take it. Um, and I think that level of subjectivity is doesn't really lend itself to punishments. That's where you really can have perceptions of bias. Um, Coming up, because Jason Holder saying something to an umpire forcefully is going to be a lot different to say someone five foot four like Sachin.
2: Oh, no, I agree, and I think Joe Root's got a very clever little trick in that his personality and his body language is quite soft. He's quite softly spoken. He's got a smiley face, but you can still be negative by looking that way, can't you?
0: You don't know what he's saying out there, and, and Stokes and yeah. Butler. Uh, Stokes looks like an angry man but quite frankly um, I think Joss Butler says as much bad stuff
2: I agree Joss Butler's got a little bit of a streak in him hasn't he at times and it comes out every now and again Rito with um, Virat. Obviously, the IPL is about to start. He's the RCB captain. He has been for some years now. They have never won the title. Can you see a point um, where Virat might be persuaded? Because he's got a very busy life, hasn't he? You look at how much cricket, he's all format. We talked about bio bubbles earlier. He's all format. He plays everything. He's pivotal to his team. He captains every team he plays for. If RCB have a poorer tournament or even if RCB win it, but you see um, Virat saying, Well, oh, actually, I think I've done enough RCB captaining now. I might quite fancy just uh, um, returning to the ranks in this one and trying to just kind of restore a little bit of work-life balance.
1: No, I don't basically see him giving up the IC- RCB captaincy now. Probably he has another two or three years in him as a captain of RCB, as the captain of RCB. But still he's getting older and he must be thinking about it as well. Can he even get a championship under his captaincy? And going back to that decent thing, uh, James, if you remember Kagisu Rabada against Ben Stokes at Lord in 2017, after Kagisu Rabada dismissing him, he just said that if what, not even at the batsman, just out of sheer frustration, and he was given a demerit point for saying that. Whereas Virat Kohli says that on pitch every second minute, and still he gets away with it. Yeah. So there's something wrong with this RCB protocol. Uh, RCD, I forget, but ICC protocols.
2: Well, I think it comes down to the power of the BCCI, I think, and the and the stature of Virat Kohli in the game. Um, is my opinion, Rita. I'll probably get shouted out for it, but I think that's how it is, and I think some people who are. I was going to say merely umpires, which sounds really disrespectful. But there are easy battles to fight, and there are hard battles to fight. Maybe taking Virat on is a hard battle to fight, and that's why people don't do it. Probably the best way to finish that one. We're trying to make some kind of resolution on all of these things, aren't they? Yeah, I think over the next few years it's going to be interesting with Virat Kohli. He's obviously had a child. Maybe his uh, priorities in life might change a little bit. We talk about bio bubbles and people doing all kinds of stuff. Virat Kohli is one of the busiest men in cricket, isn't he? He captains every team he's in. He plays in every format, and he's a captain of uh, a big franchise in the IPL something's got to give at some stage, doesn't it? You can't do that forever without just breaking yourself and maybe now he's got children and a happy family life he might actually think well maybe a couple of weeks off here and there might not be a bad thing so i think it'll be interesting to see how cold he goes and i'll say again i think he's a terrific player he's great for the game i just think he just oversteps the mark every now and again neil varani and rito mitra this is our last of our kind of like filling in podcasts we finish off tomorrow on the um after the final game india against england in the odis looking forward to that for our wrap party but thank you as always, for joining me today. Thank you out there, everybody, for listening. Always a pleasure to have you on board. And uh, thank you for your comments on at cricket underscore badger on the Twitter feed too. We'll be back for one last time in this series tomorrow when we wrap up the ODI series between India and England. I'll then have a few days off and then I'll be back with the IPL dailies. Rito and Neil will be involved in those as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. I've been James the Cricket Badger and I'll see you again tomorrow.
1: Thanks for listening. We will be back every day during England's tour of India. Get in touch on at cricket underscore badger on Twitter. We hope you are enjoying the cricket. See you again tomorrow.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.